Mountain in northern Alabama in a Bible conference, and it rained the whole time. But we had a good, good time there. And thank you again, Brother Charles, for allowing me to get to be here with you. I love your pastor. Don't you love your pastor? Amen. And he's one of my, one of my heroes, literally. I love uh, Charles Hunt. And I love your church, and thank you so much for allowing me to get to be here with you uh, tonight. I'm going to ask you, if you will, take your Bibles and open them to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verse 25 through verse 37. And I want to preach tonight on the subject on the Jericho Road. Now, as a traveling evangelist, I'm on a lot of roads. And in fact, today, as I've traveled from Port Arthur, Texas, where I preached this morning with Brother Mark, I believe I've been on half the roads of Texas today, uh, just getting here. Uh, and you know, strange things happen on the roads. I, I heard about a highway patrolman that came up on a terrible, awful wreck. A car was smoking and totally torn up on its top and bodies strolled all over the highway. And sitting over next to the uh, wrecked car was a monkey. And the highway patrolman got out and looked. And he said, oh my. And he looked at the monkey and said, uh, what was the husband, uh, what was the father doing? Go, 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 go. Well, what was, the, what was the mother, what was the wife doing? Well, what was the little boy, what was the little girl doing? Well, what were you doing? Well, strange things happen uh, on the highway. Bubba and Earl was driving their delivery truck over in the mountains of East Tennessee where I was raised. And uh, they came to an overpass that said clearance, 11 feet. Their delivery truck was 12 and a half feet tall. And Bubba looked over to Earl and he said, Earl, I don't see a cop in sight. Let's go for it. <laughs> well, Jesus tells us in this parable, about a dangerous stretch of highway called the Jericho Road. And let's look at it together, beginning in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. Now, if you're ready for the word of God, say amen. Jesus said, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, what is written in the law. How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy might, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou answerest right, This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor. And then Jesus 
answered that by giving this parable. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed and leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him, that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Let's pray together. Father, I do pray now that you not only will anoint the reading of your word, but also anoint the preaching of your word. And God, give us ears to hear now what the Spirit of God has to say. God, I do thank you for each person who is here. And I do pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl that would be in this building that would be nearest to hell. I pray tonight they'll come to Christ and be saved. Also, Lord, I pray for we who are saved that when we leave here tonight that our hearts will be on fire for the Lord Jesus and for the souls of men. Spirit of God, walk up and down these aisles, in and out these pews. And I do pray now when the invitation is extended in a few moments that people will respond to your call to this altar and come to Christ. May your perfect will be accomplished. May the name of Jesus be honored. In his name I pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Now the obvious interpretation of this passage is this, that any person that God puts in your path with a need is your neighbor. It does not matter who they are or where they are. When God puts them in your path and they have a need, that person is your neighbor. But I see something else in this passage. I see here the gospel story. I see here how God has come to meet our need in the person of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus said of himself that this book testifies of him. In John chapter 5, in verse 39, Jesus said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. No matter where you open up this Bible, you're going to find Jesus. And so when you look at this parable, you're going to see God revealing to us 
that he has come to meet our need in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe also that this parable presents great Bible doctrine. The Bible teaches that man is a sinner. Man is a fallen creature. That's illustrated in this parable. The Bible teaches in salvation that it's God that takes the initiative. I mean, it's God that makes that first move. It was not that the man was looking for the Samaritan, but the Samaritan made that first initiative to that man. That's illustrated in this parable. The Bible teaches that when God saves a person, that he fixes him up, he cleans him up, he makes him different. That's illustrated in this parable. The Bible teaches that when God saves a man, that God takes care of him, that God keeps him. That's illustrated in this parable. The Bible teaches that the same Jesus that came the first time, that same Jesus is coming the second time. That's illustrated in this parable. The Bible teaches that when Jesus comes again, it's going to be payday someday. That's illustrated in this parable. The Bible teaches that we who are saved, we are to go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. That we are to go out and be soul winners. That's illustrated in this parable. I mean, as you look through this parable, you see great Bible now, what I want to do tonight is this. It's a little different than what I normally do. I normally preach messages of salvation. I normally preach in crusades, evangelistic messages. But what I want to do tonight is this. I want us to just walk through this parable. And I want us to look at it almost word for word. And there are three main things that I want to hang our thoughts on as we walk through this parable. First of all, I want you to notice the fallen man. Notice there in verse 30, the Bible says, and Jesus answering said, a certain man. Now Jesus did not say whether he was a Jew or a Gentile. He did not tell us whether he was young or old. He did not give us his name. He said a certain man. And I believe the reason he did that was because he wanted all of us to identify with him. Identify with that certain man. You can identify with that certain man. That lets us know that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We were born sinners. We walk like sinners. We talk like sinners. And unless we have an encounter with the Son of God, we will die like sinners. A certain man who was a sinner. Now, you could close down all of the abortion clinics, and I'm for it. You can clean out the sewer of Washington, and I'm sure for it. You can close down all of the X-rated, R-rated movies, and I'm for it. 
You can shut down all the houses of prostitution, and I'm for it. You can close down all the beer joints and the nightclubs, and I'm sure for that. But I want to tell you, man still will find something to get in trouble with because there's something way down in here that's messed up real bad. Amen? I mean, there's a, there's a problem down here in your heart. Now, there's several things I want you to notice about this fallen man. Notice, first of all, his downward path. The Bible says there, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, where did he start out from? He did not start out from Jericho. He started out from Jerusalem. Now, whenever you leave Jerusalem, you always go down. The very root word for Jerusalem is Salem, and that means peace. I mean, it's a place of peace, a place of blessing, a place of glory. And man has walked away from that place of peace and blessing and glory. He has walked down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, what is Jericho? Jericho is the very opposite to Jerusalem. Jerusalem has the promise of God's blessings upon it. Jericho has the pronounced curse of God upon it. Jericho was that city that God said, I'm going to destroy. It was that city that God said, I'm going to knock down the walls. It was that city that God said, I'm going to set it on fire. And he did. And the only one that was left standing alive in that city was that one little woman that was behind that window with a scarlet thread on the outside. Let me tell you, this world is headed to destruction. This world is headed to wrath. This world is headed to hell. And the only ones that are going to make it out alive are those that are covered by the blood of the Lamb of God. Amen? The Bible says he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves. He didn't sit down with the thieves. He didn't walk with the thieves. He didn't work with the thieves. He fell among the thieves. I don't know very many people that get up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to end up in jail today. I don't know many people that get up and say, well, I'm going to get drunk today and I'm going to get out on the highway and I'm going to have a wreck and I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to kill a bunch more people. He fell among the thieves. And then notice there who that thief is. We don't have to guess who that thief is. Over in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Listen, that thief is the devil. The devil's not your friend. The devil is your enemy. And he's out to do you harm. That downward path. And then notice the dangerous Plight. Notice, he fell among the thieves. 
Now notice what those thieves did to him, which stripped him of his raiment. In other words, they stripped away his covering. Man in his natural state is naked. Remember when Adam and Eve had sinned and they realized their sin? That they realized they were naked in the sight of God? And then they began to try to sew together fig leaves to cover up their nakedness. You see, a sinner is naked in the sight of the thrice holy God. You can't hide behind your church membership. You can't hide behind your water baptism. You can't hide behind your good deeds or works. Unless you have your sins covered by the blood of Jesus, you're naked in the sight of God. He was stripped of his raiment. And the Bible says then, and wounded him. Now that word wounded there means a lot more than he just got a bump on his head. That word wounded means that this is a runny, messy, bloody sore. I mean, he is beat up real bad. Listen, sin's done a big-time job on man. Man's mind is darkened. His heart is deceived. His spirit is dead. His will is darkened. His body is dying. He is wounded. Oh, but I thank God at Calvary there was one who was wounded for our transgressions. Notice there, he was stripped of his raiment. He was wounded. And then it says, and departed, leaving him. Isn't that just like the devil? I mean, he beat him up, he messed him up, and he left him there in the ditch. You get out of here and you drink your beer and you drink your liquor and you get drunk and you get out of money, they'll kick you out of that bar. You go out here and you gamble away your money and you don't have any more money to gamble, they'll put you out of the casino. Girls, you get out here and you get pregnant out of wedlock, that so-called boyfriend will be nowhere to be found. I mean, the devil will leave you right there in that ditch. He departed him, leaving him half dead. Brother Charles, I've always been intrigued by that phrase, half dead. Here's what I think it means. He was still alive, but just barely. He was unconscious. He was uh, a half a heart breath from eternity. I mean, he's half dead. You say, well, man, I'm, I'm on the top of my game. I mean, I've got a tiger in my tank. Listen, unless you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you're just a walking, talking, dead person. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 1, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. You may be alive to sex, alive to drugs, alive to alcohol. But if you don't know Jesus, you're dead to God. You're dead to the Holy Ghost. You're dead to prayer. You're dead to revival. 
You're dead to the things of God. You know, I really believe that's the reason a lot of people don't like church. They don't enjoy gospel singing, singing like we've had here tonight. They don't enjoy the preaching of the Word of God. They don't enjoy shouting and praising God because they ain't got nothing to praise God with. I mean, they're dead. Dead people cannot worship. Dead people cannot communicate. Listen, before I got saved, I didn't enjoy going to church. I didn't like the preacher preaching. I didn't enjoy singing. But when God saved me, something came alive on the inside. I passed from death unto life. My pastor is Dr. Steve Gaines at the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. And I was with Brother Steve uh, this last Sunday, last week, and, and he was saying to me, now, can you imagine someone saying this to Dr. Steve Gaines? He said that he had a, a young person come to him and say, well, Brother Steve, I just don't enjoy your preaching. All you do when you preach is preach about the Bible. You don't tell stories. I mean, all you do is talk about Jesus, huh? I believe the reason a lot of people don't enjoy that is they're dead. They don't have anything in there to enjoy it with. Notice here, he departed him, leaving him half dead. The downward path, the dangerous plight. And then notice the desperate prediction. Notice there in verse 32, the Bible says, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I mean, here was a bloody, bruised, battered, half-dead man. And here was this priest, a religious man, by the way. No preacher, no priest can do you any good without regeneration. That priest is an illustration of the best that religion can do for you. Religion will leave you just like it finds you. Religion finds you lost and it'll leave you lost. Religion finds you dead and it'll leave you dead. Religion finds you unregenerated and it will leave you unregenerated. But it even gets worse then. Verse 32. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. That priest was a picture of religion without regeneration. That Levite was a picture of the law without love and mercy and compassion. And just like that priest, Religion without regeneration will do you no good. That Levite, a picture of the law without mercy and grace and compassion, will beat up on you, will be brutal. You see, the law without love and mercy and compassion will take you to hell. The law is the schoolmaster. 
The law is a revealer of sin, but not a remover of sin. That law is a mirror that you look in. I mean, you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you say, oh, my God. Do I have a witness? Now, when you look at that, and it shows you really, there you are. I mean, do you, jink, do you jerk that mirror off the wall and throw it on the ground and, and shatter it? No. Oh, thank God, below that mirror, there's a basin. <laughs> and you can clean that dirt off of you. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Romans. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That law reveals the sin. Oh, but that blood washes away that sin. It cleanses the sin. You will never appreciate the Savior until you realize you're a sinner. You'll never appreciate love and grace and mercy until you come face to face with judgment and damnation. The fallen man. You see, that man could not save himself. The priest and the Levite could not save him. But as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. Not only the fallen man, but now notice the faithful Savior. Notice as we begin our reading there in verse 33. Just follow it with me. But a certain Samaritan, that's Jesus. As he journeyed, that's Jesus came to where he was, that's Jesus. And when he saw him, that's Jesus. He had compassion on him, that's Jesus. And went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine, that's Jesus. And set him on his own beast, that's Jesus. And brought him to an inn and took care of him, that's Jesus. And on the morning when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, that's Jesus, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. That's Jesus. Man's problem is not legal. Therefore, God did not send a lawyer. Man's problem is not physical. Therefore, God did not send a doctor. Man's problem is not financial. Therefore, God did not send a banker. But man's problem is sin. And therefore, God sent a Savior. The angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. You say, well, how do you see 
Jesus in this passage. Notice that the Bible says, but a certain Samaritan. Here was a bloody, bruised, battered, half-dead man. He could not save himself. The priest could not save him. The Levite could not save him. But, oh, don't you like it when God butts in? Don't you like those heavenly conjunctions? In Genesis chapter 6, we're told about that world that God was going to judge and wipe it off the face of the earth. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Ephesians 2 describes man in his disobedience, in his deadness, in his depravity. But God, who was rich in mercy. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I was a sinner, but. I was a stranger from God, but. I was lost and on the way to hell. But, oh, don't you like it when God puts in? Amen? Notice that the Bible says, but a certain Samaritan, not just any Samaritan, not many Samaritans, a certain Samaritan. Jesus did not say, I am a way, one of the ways, some way. He did not say, I am a truth. One of the truths, some of the truth. He did not say, I am a life, one of the lives, some of the life. He did not say, I am a door, one of the doors, some of the doors. He did not say, I am a resurrection, one of the resurrection, or some of the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the way, the life, the truth, the door, the resurrection. You say, well, that's awful narrow. Jesus said, straight of the way, narrowly to get. If you don't come through him, you'll go to hell. I mean, there's only one way to God. That's Jesus, amen? But a certain Samaritan. You say, well, how do you see Jesus here? Well, notice his passion. The Bible says, but a certain Samaritan. As he journeyed. I mean, he was going their own purpose. Now, the priest and the Levite, by chance, happened by. Oh, but when God saves us, it's on purpose. I mean, think about that day you got saved. Think about that church house you went into. Think about that man of God that stood up with the Word of God that day. And he preached the Word of God. And the Holy Ghost took the Word of God and brought conviction to your heart. And you saw yourself a hell-deserving sinner. And he pointed you to Calvary. And you cried out in repentance and faith. He saved you on purpose. Amen? But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. That man did not go to the Samaritan. The Samaritan went to the man. I mean, it was that Samaritan that took the initiative. 
I was lost. I was a hellion. I was on my way to hell. But God, Jesus, came to where I was. He came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The Samaritan saw the same thing that the priest and the Levi saw. I mean, they saw a man who was bloody, beaten, bruised, half dead. But how did they respond? They were repulsed. No love. No compassion. But when that Samaritan saw him, he loved him. I mean, he saw him, a bruised, battered, Half-dead man, but he loved him. Dottie Rambo, the gospel singer, y'all identify, told about her brother. Her brother was a man that was a drunkard, lost man, and she had witnessed to him for year after year after year. And he would always say to her, Dottie, God can't save me. I mean, I'm too far down in sin. I've lived such an ungodly, wicked life. God can't save me. And she would pray for him. She would weep over him. And said, finally, one day there in her prayer closet, as she was praying to God, that God just gave her these words. I looked beyond his fault and saw his need. And she went to his hospital room where he was actually on his deathbed. And she shared with him that truth. God is looking beyond your fault, and he sees your need. And he was gloriously, wonderfully saved. You know why you're not in hell tonight? You know why you're not in a drunken stupor tonight? God looked beyond your sin and saw your need. Amen? He came and he had compassion upon him. And then notice his provisions. The verse, verse 34 says, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Not on, but in. Salvation is an inside job. I mean, God put something on the inside of you. What did he pour in? Oil and wine. Oil. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. When God saved you, he put in you that holy oil. He put something in you that you didn't have before. He put the Holy Ghost in you. When God saved me, he put the Holy Ghost in me. If you're saved tonight, you've got the Holy Ghost living in you. Now, if you don't have the Holy Ghost living in you, you're lost. He poured in the oil. And then he poured in the wine. Jesus lifted up the cup and said, This is my blood. That wine was for cleansing. That blood cleanses away our sin. What blood? What blood? That blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. What blood? That blood that washes us white as snow. What blood? That blood that cleanses away our sin and causes the devils to tremble. 
blood, that blood that stains Calvary's cross. Listen, one day when I die and I leave this earth and go up through that second heaven where Satan has dominion, he's going to have to tell those demons to stand back. You can't touch him. He's been covered by the blood. I mean, watch out, devils. He's been covered by the blood of the Lamb of God. I didn't get out of that ditch when I joined the Baptist church. I didn't get out of that ditch when I got water baptism. I didn't get out of that ditch when I turned over a new leaf. I didn't get out of that ditch because I was born in some family. I got out of that ditch when the Holy Ghost applied the blood of Jesus to my sin. William Calber was a man that lived in London, England years ago. He was a man that fought depression all of his life. And so depressed and so despondent, he even tried to commit suicide five or six times. I mean, he even tried to hang himself, and he couldn't even hang himself, kill himself. He even tried to get a gun and blow his brains out, but the gun snapped. I mean, he tried everywhere in the world to commit suicide. I mean, he was so despondent, so depressed. And one day, he was walking down the streets of London, and he heard a Salvation Army preacher preach that passage back in the Old Testament, which says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And there, that brought conviction to his heart, and he was gloriously, wonderfully saved. A short time after that, God called him to preach. And now he became a preacher of the gospel. But also he became a songwriter. That song that we sing so often. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that blood lose all of their guilty stains. Oh, I thank God tonight there's still power in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Number one, the fallen man. Number two, the faithful Savior. And then number three, the future in the church. Notice as we continue to read here, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast. Now apparently that morning when that Samaritan left, he was riding on his own donkey. But when he came there and he saw that man down in that ditch, no one else cared for him. No one else wanted to help him. He got off of his donkey, went down, and he fixed that man up. But he didn't leave him there. He said, I know you can't walk by yourself or you wouldn't be down there. And so he took him and he put him on his own donkey. He's riding now at his expense. Wow. No longer are we riding works, we're riding grace. Mays Jackson was an old-fashioned, independent Baptist evangelist. How many of you all recognize the name Mays Jackson? Okay, several of you do. He's one of my favorite preachers, Brother Malcolm. I, you know, he's already gone on to be with the Lord. And, but I, I still love to get him on radio. Truck driver special. And I love to hear Mays Jackson preach. Mays Jackson lived over 50 years in Atlanta, Georgia. And he said one day he was at home there in Atlanta. 
And there was a lady that called him and said, uh, Mr. Jackson, you have been chosen to be a part of the elite Decatur Saddle Club. And we would love to have you a part of this saddle club. And knowing Mays Jackson, he's beginning to laugh and say, <laughs> too late, too late. She said, well, what do you mean? Uh, uh, do you, you already belong to one? He said, well, yes. She said, well, is it, is it here local somewhere? He said, oh, no, 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 no. Said it's way out there in Revelation 19 where I'm going to come back on that white horse see when God saves us not only does he give us justification and sanctification and glorification but also he gives us transportation amen I mean he provided a ride for him and he brought him to an inn now that inn is a picture of the church the innkeeper is a picture of you and me. When Jesus finds those broken, bloody, beaten, half-dead individuals, and he brings them to us, the church, and he says, I started with them. You continue with them. I mean, you continue to show them love. I mean, they've not got over the shock of being beat. Now, you take care of them. Listen, if I get out of here and I find someone that's beaten and bloody and broken, and I bring them to an inn and they won't take care of them, I'd stop taking them there. This last summer, Brother Mark and I were in revival together at a church here in Texas. And every day at noon, we had uh, Bible study, noonday services. And actually, this is the first time I've ever preached this message tonight. That week, I taught the whole week on this parable. And I got to this very point in the lesson on that Wednesday. And I'd made the statement that I just made. If I got out here and find someone that's broken, beaten, bloody, and bring them to... Uh, an inn and they don't take care of them I'd stop taking them there and about that time there was a woman that walked in the side door of the gymnasium where we were and now folks I'm just going to describe her like she looked I mean she looked like she'd been rode hard and put up wet many times didn't she she, she walked in she had on short shorts had on an old dirty shirt had on a cowboy hat now, she didn't have on cowgirl boots. She had on cowboy boots, didn't she? I mean, they were up here to her knees. And she walked in, and she just started talking out loud while I was teaching and preaching. And she looked over and said, where's the preacher? And the preacher, the pastor, was sitting right over here next to me, and he, he said, oh, Lord, said, there's that homeless woman that I helped yesterday. I wonder what she's wanting today. And she walked on in and said, where is the preacher? And finally he said, uh, uh, I, I'm, over, I'm over here. And she looked over and said, preacher, 
I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for helping me yesterday. I really was in need. And I thank you for helping me. And then she looked at the rest of the people who were there. And she said, God bless you. Bye. And she turned and walked out the door. And I turned and I said to those folks, folks, that's exactly what I was talking about. Now, when the service was over, I want to go out and find her. I walked outside, walked all around the church, walked up and down the streets. I couldn't find her anywhere. You know, the Bible speaks about angels that come unaware. Now, if that was an angel, that wasn't exactly what I thought an angel ought to look like. But I wondered. You hear what I'm saying tonight? If God can find a church that will help hurting, broken, needy people, God will keep bringing them to you if you'll help them. But if God ever gets the idea that you're not going to take care of them, God will stop bringing them to you. And he'll go on down the road and find some other church that will take care of them. May Woodland Hills Baptist Church always be a church that loves and cares for broken, hurty, bloody people. Amen? Notice verse 35. The Bible says there, And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. He says, now, you take care of him. And when I come back again, if I owe you more, I'll pay you then. Oh, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. Are you on the Jericho Road tonight? I mean, have you found yourself walking away from Jerusalem, going down? Do you find yourself here tonight a Broken, beaten, bloody, half-dead individual. Oh, I've got a good word for you. The good Samaritan. The Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, is passing by tonight with oil and wine. And he'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. And he'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen and amen. Jim Chandler wrote a book entitled Death on a Dark Highway. He tells there about a, a young man, Dennis Brooks Jr., who was 19 years old, who was murdered on July 29, 1993. This took place in Carroll County, Tennessee about 25 or 30 miles from where I now live. It was on Highway 114 in between Buena Vista and Hollow Rock, Tennessee. He was a, a young man who was a student at Jackson uh, State Junior College. He was a criminal law student. And also he worked uh, at night at the local subway in Huntington, Tennessee. That night he was having to close 
the store down and clean it up after everyone had left. There were three thugs by the name of Walter Smother, Stacy Ramsey, and Teresa Harris. They had spent an entire day drinking and using drugs and living in, in orgies all day long. And they were totally, totally out of their mind that night. And that night on that same highway, out of their mind, they wrecked their car and totaled it as they ran it off a bluff. As Dennis Brooks was on his way home that night on that highway about 1 a.m. in the morning, Teresa Harris was standing there beside the road, waving. Being the good-hearted young man that he was, he pulled over and got out of the car, got out of his truck, rather, to help her. And when he got out, those other two thugs jumped him and brutally beat him. And they threw him in the back of his own pickup. One of the men got in the car, began to drive, Teresa Harris, the other man got in the back of the pickup and he had a shotgun and Dennis Brooks was weeping and crying and in pain and so upset was that man he took his shotgun and he blew one of his legs off and then he began to cry and plead for them to take him to the hospital and so upset was that young man that he took the shotgun and literally blew his head off his body they took him, they dismembered his body, threw it in the truck and set the truck on fire. A few days later, the authorities found those individuals. They were tried and now are serving a life sentence in the penitentiary in Tennessee. Dennis Brooks was a good Samaritan. He saw a need. And out of the goodness of his heart, he got out of his truck to try to meet that need. But they killed him. But I want to tell you tonight about another good Samaritan. He came into this world to do good, and he did it. But they took him, and they nailed him on an old rugged cross, and they killed him. But he didn't stay on that cross. They placed him in that tomb. And three days later, he walked out of that tomb. And he's alive. He's walking up and down these aisles here tonight. He's walking in and out these pews here tonight. And he's coming to where you are with oil and wine. And he'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I want to ask you, if you will, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder tonight how many of you would say, Preacher, there's been a time, there's been a place when I met that good Samaritan. And I cried out to him, in my need, in repentance. 